Blog Talk Radio. Life. Are you growing with it or feeling left out? Either way or in between, you're in the right place today with the host of Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice, Jillian. She's an award-winning author and radio personality. She's warm, she's fuzzy, and she's got an attitude. Welcome to the show, Change Already. You know, it feels so good to be back from vacation in Asia where I was for a couple weeks. What it is? What is it about vacation that we all say after we go, oh, we really needed that, but yet we keep on pushing and pushing and pushing, and finally when we're at our wit's end, we decide to take a vacation, and we have to make it so big and grand that it's becomes more of an ordeal to get ready for the vacation than the actual vacation. Anyway, I'm glad to be home. And it feels good to be home, doesn't it? It's like sleeping in your own bed, surrounded by your own stuff, and you just feel like you've gone on this big adventure and come back. Anyway, it was a whirlwind of a trip. For those of you that don't know, I went over to Asia and was working away and just taking in all the sites of Asia. And it was a little surprising because I really wasn't planning on going to Asia at any point in time, but some relatives ended up going over there. So it seemed like the perfect time to go over there and take advantage of them being in that part of the country that I've never been in. So I decided there were two main venues that I wanted to go to in the Asia area, which was the Temple of Angkor Wat in Siem Reap, Cambodia. And then the other place I wanted to go was Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. Man, you talk about a stark contrast in realities. Um, It was a great trip for me as a psychologist and just, you know, a degree in psychology and life coaching and all that stuff and looking at how it really, how the world is built, you know, universally two different ways. So one place was a real small, quaint little town, Siem Reap, in Cambodia, which is barraged by millions and millions of transit tourists coming to soak up that ancient religious history of Angkor Wat, And then on the other side, I had Ho Chi Minh City, which was this thriving metropolitan city with a population of over 9 million people and growing. It's filled with lots of expats from all over the world and diverse dialects from all corners of the earth that you couldn't even imagine. But they had the most awesome restaurants, and of course, the wine selection was out of this world. So what else is there? In my book, a good parameter of what a good vacation is, which is good food, good friends, and great wine, (laughs) what else does a person need to make them happy? You know, I have the luxury of knowing people there, so they suggested that we kick off our tour of Asia in Cambodia. So we jumped on a plane as soon as we got there, and we went clear over to Cambodia. And then I thought to myself, before I left, how cool it would be if I was able to broadcast my show live from the other side of the globe and try to do it on site over there. 
well, you know, it was like I had, I have this thing inside of me where I have to trust all the time and the universe is giving me good direction. And then I have to risk my own personal stuff and wellness to get it right. Well, I don't want to brag or anything, but I thought the show turned out pretty awesome. I know if you, some of you listened to it, the sound was so-so. It kind of went in and out. But what the heck do you expect? I was clear across the universe in Asia, in the Cambodia area. So it's like I thought it turned out pretty good. And I was pound and determined to broadcast immediately after going to the Angkor Wat Temple because I wanted to rebound off that high. I just had this weird feeling that I was just going to get this humongous growth of personal effects and just have incredible energy. And I wanted to transfer that energy to the airwaves as soon as possible so I could get it as close to the energy that you could feel on your end. You know how it feels once you go to a concert that you've really been wanting to go to, right? And you've seen them do your favorite song or your favorite tune, and then you just have this high that takes you way high, you know, just because you've just been in the essence of the band or whatever you're doing. And the second part of the story is you want to stay on that high as long as possible. So you really don't want anybody to muck up the waters with conversations or questions or anything like that. So I really wanted to stay in that sacred space in order to convey the energy of what I felt when I was there. I thought I did a pretty good job of it the best I could do at that point. So if you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go back and listen to that show. I thought it was excellent, not for me, but just excellent information that we all could use. A little boost here and there. So you can find it, as always, on Block Talk Radio. And then what you want to do is look up Change Already with Jillian. I know some of you are still having questions on how to find the specific shows that you're looking for. So I'll try to work on keeping you abreast on how to do that every week. And I would tell you to go to my website, JillianMossackman.com, but uh, I'm way behind. (laughs) If you go there, I think I have a post from a couple weeks ago, and I'm always in trouble for that. But So if you really want continuous updates of where I'm at, what I'm doing immediately, you can go to my Facebook page. I really work on updating both LinkedIn and Facebook page. And my Facebook page is Jillian Moss Backman. And I was able to upload a few pictures with the show that I did at Amcol Watts. But if you really want to see the essence of some of the afterglow that I had and, and some of the images that I was able to capture on film, you've got to go to that Facebook page. It's just really wonderful different places that you can see immediately what I what I got. And in that show, I was talking about how Americans get ideas in their thoughts of, and protocol of what they believe another country looks like. And sometimes I think we get a little too comfortable on our own shores. And we forget that we live in this big, huge world. And in that world, there's spectacular events occurring each and every day that we're missing out on 
not because we choose to do it, because we, it just becomes a peripheral thought that, yes, there's things happening out in the world, but I'm so engaged in what's happening right in my own life and my small little comfortable world, I don't really even want to look at other expanding things outside in the world. But there is a new order coming, and it's been coming for a while, a new world order, world market, world thoughts of peace and cooperation, and more importantly, a new world vision. And one of the most effective ways to get out of those thoughts that we've had from the past and into this new world thought is by going out there and really getting on the ground level. Remember, America started by exploration. There was a couple of dudes from Europe that, you know, got in a boat, traveled across to find new lands, and even though we don't have new lands to expand to nowadays, the principles still exist. We need to find new lands and find out what they're doing to become a more rounded human being. And I'm telling you, if you're not teaching your kids about this new world order and however you choose to show it to them or model to them, I really believe in my heart that you're doing a disservice for them because the world that we came from is changing every day and we need to prepare the future generation for this new order that the planet's going to be running on in the next couple of years and into the greater future. Well, to make an example of that, you know, I always got to do it. I have to show you a story or give you some kind of visual thought process in your mind to demonstrate what I'm talking about. Well, my daughter and I went on this trip together, and we were, as I said earlier, going to visit relatives that are living abroad, and they were in Asia. When I started thinking about going, the thing that just kept coming up in my mind was two women venturing out alone in a country that I had very little expertise in. I've been to Europe, I've been to Mexico, I've been to Canada, you know, but I've never been to this part. And, of course, all those stereotypes started flooding into my head about women traveling alone in this part of the country and because blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I started checking on several reliable sources, people that I could trust that would tell me the truth, and I just kept hearing this, same message coming through that we would be fine. So we left from Chicago out of the international side of the airport and immediately it became quite apparent to my daughter and I that we were in a different crowd than we're used to. And I want to say it was because we were Caucasian and we were quickly becoming a minority in the population around us. Now, thankfully, I have to say that we started raising our children with this world experience years and years ago. So my daughter and I are both pretty used to being put in that position from our past, and we've learned how to negotiate and move within those inner circles of being more of a minority. Now, mind you, it's an uncomfortable position, and I think everybody should actually be that way in their lives. There's lots of lessons to learn when you're on the flip side of a corn of minority rather than majority. But anyway, 
as we started going deeper deeper into our travel itinerary, we went from Hong Kong to Vietnam and then off to Cambodia. Well, there were subliminal cues that were popping up all around us, and at first I didn't know if my daughter had noticed it or I was noticing it. Now, let me explain what my daughter looks like. Just a little synopsis so you get on the same page where I'm at. She's very tall and she's very lanky. She's got long legs and she's a tiny little thing and she has no white complexion. And everywhere we were going, we were getting stares. Now, I'm not talking subtle stares. I'm talking stares and pointing, literally pointing from people in all directions. The more that we got to Asia, the more pronounced this got. And, in fact, it was becoming uncomfortable for my daughter. And, you know, you always want to be protective mom, so you kind of pull in your resources. And my protectiveness came out. And I didn't think that, I never thought that we were in danger. It was just more of an uncomfortability. And in fact, there was nothing mean coming at us. It was this more of an awe-stricken expression that they had on their faces. A curiosity, I suppose, is something that they've never seen before or rarely see in that part of the country because they're a different ethnic background. And the second part of the story is they were coming close. And I mean close, you know, like touching us. And, you know, in America, we have a little different boundary issues for us. We really like a wide berth in our personal space around us. Our houses are somewhat spread apart. Our cars stay a good distance from one each other on the highway. And we continuously or consciously or unconsciously negotiate within everybody's personal space and field around them. Well, my goodness, they were like on top of us. So I found this rather unnerving, of course, and at some point I had a chance to talk to some expats. And expats are people that have relocated from different countries into an Asian area or wherever they're at. And I specifically asked them this question, why are they staring at my daughter and why the heck are they so close? Well, they explained that in this area of the world, they revere pure white skin. They avoid the sun at all costs and they cover themselves from head to toe. And the women, they wear a hat, they wear long gloves, you know those long gloves from the 50s? Long gloves with shirts, over them so the skin's not exposed and they get a darker pigment. And the other part to the story is they live close. Their houses are close. Cars are close. They live in a very compact area for the most part. A lot of people in a very small real estate area in the country. So they're used to being close to each other. And they see it as a part of their natural rhythm of what they do. So they explained to me that they weren't staring at my daughter because they were annoyed by her or didn't like her. They were staring at her culturally because she was honored and respected. And the closer that they could get to her, the better that they would feel. It's almost like they wanted to get as close to her energy as possible. Well, once we got accustomed to understanding this cultural difference between ourselves and them, 
it all started making sense to us. And it, the fear came down a little bit because they were honoring her for what they represent in their mind as beauty and something that they aspire to. Well, it gave a whole new spin on what was happening, and it laid a foundation for a conversation between myself and all of us involved on this new progressive thinking that we hadn't thought of before. And apparently this is quite common in other parts of the world as well. This is the example of what I'm talking about, world facts that our children need to be aware of. I shudder to think of the thought that if I wouldn't have asked the question to the expats, we would have gone away with an entirely different program thought of what we thought as Americans and putting that mindset on top of their own reality. It was a real eye-opener for me, and I appreciated that at least I knew and understood what was going on because I asked the question, and my daughter felt better after we had that. So it's those kind of cultural fusions that we see every day in our workplace in America. You know, we have these kind of different Asian people and Indian people and American people and all these glorious kinds of cultural diversity in our own workplaces in America. And if your children are lucky, they may even be able to go to Asia and other exotic locations for work and pleasure like we did. It's all about keeping an open mind, allowing this world essence of the new order that we're all going through to come in and be a part of your new process. Let go of our our pride that we may think that we know everything, but maybe we don't. And picking up on these subtle differences and replacing that fear that we all come from at a certain extent with a celebration of our differences was a neat experience for both of us. It was a little hard on her. (laughs) Uh, They weren't looking at me. They thought I was pretty, but they were really enamored with the little ones as, as normal as it should be. So think about that. And after the break, I want to go to the complete other side of what I saw and witnessed in the world of world, in the, in the advent of world poverty. Well, that was hard to get out. I'll talk about world poverty and some of the things that I saw in regards to that right after this break. So we'll be right back with Change Already.
Looking for more? Welcome back. Here's your host, Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. Forgive me, I'm still kind of processing everything that went on during my whirlwind vacation, and I packed as much as I could get in <laughs> in the the two weeks that I was there, and I'm still going through it. You know how it is when you mix pleasure with history, culture, and everything else. It, it You start unpeeling the layers, and the more you get out of it, the more you see And, you know, one thing I know about myself, I really consider myself somewhat of an overt human being, but not something that I would say that I can overtly go out and meet people. I kind of take a different approach to all that. Um, I'm not one that works a party and come out with a fistful of business cards by the night. I take a more laid-back approach to crossing paths with people. Instead of working the crowd, I kind of let the universe bring its magic to me and the people cross my path. But the part I do do is that I pay attention. I think a lot of people see a lot of people, meet a lot of people, but they pass by the opportunities because they aren't in awareness. That's one thing I do very good. So when I was in the airport in Chicago and we were waiting for our flight, this beautiful woman from teacher, in fact, from Thailand sat down next to me, and we started exchanging pleasantries, as we all know. And then we got past that, and we went into those normal curious junk, like, what do you do, where are you headed, blah, 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 all that good stuff. And I told her where we were going, and she just lit up like a light bulb. And then she started telling me what a great country Vietnam was, and Cambodia, and how she had been there, and she loved the people. And she told me that she was very excited for us. And I agreed with her, but I expressed my apprehensive about going to the state of a third world country. Now, I've been to Mexico and all these other places, and they've always been on the peripheral, but I've never been to a third world country where it's supposed to be blatantly in your face. And I mean, it was. And how I felt so sorry for them because they didn't have what we had and the things the rest of us have in our lives, good houses, clean water, and a continuous food supply, whatever that means. And I wasn't really sure if either one of us could handle the poverty situation and seeing that because we both have tender hearts. Well, man, that was, it, it, it sparked her into a conversation. I think I worded it improperly or what. She didn't take any time to start expressing her point of view in a very straightforward manner, like a teacher does. She was very respectful, but she disagreed with me. And her first comment to me was to stop acting like a spoiled American and feeling sorry for the people that I was soon to see. And the second part of the story is that she gave me an assignment to go see these people that are called the boat people and the forest people that live and dwell on the local river outlets in Cambodia and Vietnam. 
she explained to me that they've been living this way for hundreds of years and all their possessions are in a makeshift hut on stilts float or in a boat floating up and down the river every day. They're completely dependent on the universe and nature and their livelihood as fishermen to feed themselves and their family. She encouraged me to see the happiness that these people had, that they didn't have any of those things that I was talking about and not to feel sorry for them, but to rejoice in their way of life because they found joy in themselves, in nature, and the way they had done it for centuries. Well, I started to listen to that a bit, and after I got over my shame, <laughs> I have to say I quickly moved on a new conversation, but of course it stuck in my head the whole time. Anyway, one of the things that I was able to do in Cambodia was go out and be on one of these tours that she was talking about because I felt like I had been given a message from the universe to really go and take a look at this. Didn't know how I'd find it, but as usual, it found me. So you get in a small motorized boat, right? And then you make your way down this dirty water canal. And I know that's hard for people to grasp, but it's their way of life, so I kind of went with it. All I could think in my mind was that movie Apocalypse Now where it's that small canal. You know the scene where it's dark and spooky and fog coming off the Asian water and you can barely see around the corner what's coming now. Well, it wasn't that dramatic, but it kept popping up in my head. And it seemed like forever that we just kept going and going down this windy canal until all of a sudden we turned this sharp corner and it just popped out of nowhere like it was just this vision and it was rows and rows of wooden makeshift hops on top of spilt. Now, when we talk spilt, I'm talking maybe 40 feet up in the air. And then directly down below them at the water level were these wooden boats with thatched roofs that the lady was telling me about. There were people in these boats, there were livestock, there were chicken, there were dogs, and there were fishing nets. And as we made ourselves down the canal, because you go through and they're on both sides of you, and some of them were in their boats fishing, and they were staring at us, and we were staring at them, and I got to tell you, my first impression and my first impulse was to look away from them. I suppose maybe some kind of shame for myself as we took our expensive camera and was taking pictures of them doing their thing and they're just looking at it. But you couldn't stop looking at them. They were almost mesmerizing. Their weathered faces from the sun and the simplicity that they had in their eyes kept you locked in as they passed and another group came. It was a city unto itself, these indigenous people that were not interested in my way of life. And they would, of course, be poor by most standards, and they quite honestly could care less because they seemed so happy. It was an ecosystem that was built from nature and God and faith and trust and people working with all different kinds, with the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom. And they had been doing this for centuries in trials and errors. But I got to say, there was a natural rhythm to their existence. It was different from the poor people that we see in America. They were different. Their fathers and mothers had done this and so on and so on. 
And as I reverted back to the conversation in my head, all I could feel was don't pity them, but look beyond the surface and see the beauty that they possess. Go beyond and above your own expectations of what poor people look like and assume the position that they are not happy like we are. They live on the banks. They eat what they eat. They've broken the cycle. We want them to change their entire lifestyle into consuming and doing something that is not in their own nature to do. I was humbled by watching these people, and I felt that world poverty, of course, is an important aspect to everything. But maybe I'm not so smart on what I think we should know about these kind of people in the world. I came away humbled and really consider myself a work in progress when it comes to world hunger and poverty right now. I'm going to reserve my judgment for later and figure out how I really feel about this. Next week, I want to go on to new subjects, new topics, and new discussions. But between now and then, remember, change doesn't have to be difficult, but it is necessary to grow. Thanks for joining Jillian today. Don't miss her famous at-home personal enrichment lessons. You can complete them on your own time to accelerate your personal change. They're simple and nothing like you've experienced before. Just like Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So change already. 